Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast Supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Selling a little or a lot? Shopify helps you do your thing however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage. All the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is there to help you grow. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Get a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash work. Shopify.com slash work. Welcome to the latest Forza Italian football podcast, the only Italian football podcast bringing you inside the Serie A stadiums every single week. And this week we were inside an extra Serie A stadium because one of our guests today, Kev Porgazowski, was inside one of them. Kev, you're in Bologna. Hello. I was. Well, you are. I am, yes. Yeah. Sorry, yes, I am. I am still here. I have a question for you um, already, straight off the bat, because I am suffering in Parma today because... For whatever reason, all of the pollen seems to have come out today, and it's hitting me like a truck. Is it the same down there? Yeah, we have plenty down in Bologna. Don't worry. I'm sniffing away. Um, Apologies on behalf of myself and Kev to all of the listeners for us sniffling our way through the next hour or so, but you'll just have to bear with us. We also have the zombie of Vito Doria joining us. Vito, we appreciate you getting up early on a Sunday morning for us. (laughs) Yes, um, yeah. Although it's good to be chatting to you guys here, I've only had about five hours sleep, so uh, yeah, so I had to rush for everything to be on the pod, and you know, when you get a bit straight after a 3-0 loss to your team, uh, it's not easy. Peter, now you know how I usually feel, because we usually record at 1am my time, and that means I get to bed back of four, close to five usually, so you're taking one for the team this week, and we appreciate it. But guys, <laughs> there, there was, of course, news in Serie A this week, if it really counts as news. Juventus are champions. What a surprise. Um, they've gone for the hashtag W8Derful, which I think is supposed to spell wonderful. It doesn't work, let's be honest. Uh, but, Kev, are they wonderful? 
Uh, I think you know for what I what's been published on our site that I don't think I don't think they are at the moment. It's probably the the worst incarnation of the last eight seasons. The uh, worst. The worst. Yeah, I, I think so. I you know I, I love a stat, and I think if you look at the the statistics, there's a little bit of you getting a a little bit dependent on a certain Cristiano Ronaldo this year. The the level of Serie A has, has dipped a little bit. Um, and if you just think about the, the flair and style that some of the other Juventus sides went about their business, um, just all points to this is a, a Juventus side that needs a little bit of a, a, a rejig. Um, but are they going to do that? Because they spent however many million last year to bring in Cristiano Ronaldo. They're not going to spend big again to bring in other players, are they? Well, this is the problem. I think they've... They've mortgaged the house to win the Champions League, which isn't isn't going to happen now. And um, you know, Ronaldo's not going to say take half my half my salary back because uh, I've not quite delivered what you you bought me for. So you can then go and strengthen in other areas. Um, it's going to be an interesting interesting couple of years. That said, if they actually had any competition to to maybe knock them off their perch. Yeah, it's it's a trick on Vito. Where do you think this this achievement stands? Because winning the Scudetto is surely still an achievement. I'm sure the Juventus supporters will be happy with it. And then you get the odd supporter saying, look at where the club was 12 years ago. They were in Serie B, so be glad that they're up top and they're in Serie A. Uh, for us as neutrals, though, um, they can be happy with winning eight Scudetti because it's never been achieved in Italian football. But I still believe that Juve are the best of what is a weak bunch. And performance-wise, they're still doing it in the classical Italian style more so than ever. It's just doing enough to win, relying on individuals to get the goals, and... Yeah, just relying on good defending. But that being said, when Chiellini's not fit, I've noticed that they've become a bit more vulnerable defensively. So um, if he has more injury issues next season, I'd be curious to see how long Juventus can maintain their domestic dominance. It's definitely a problem for them. We've seen Benucci go back there this season and be a disaster. Rugani... I've made my thoughts on him clear on throughout the season. I don't think he's up to the level of a Juventus backup player. Um, and Adam Digby, friend of the pod, was saying on Twitter today how he'd prefer to see Andrea Barzagli's father play in defence as opposed to the two of those lining up together. So, Kev, they've almost focused too much on the Champions League and Cristiano Ronaldo, and they've forgotten the basics that made them so successful in the first place. Yeah, but you can, un- you can understand why, because... They've not, apart from last year, really, they've not really been pushed in Syria. And they've, and then yet they failed to take that last hurdle or two in the Champions League. And they, they found a, a born winner, you know, in, in Ronaldo, somebody that made the difference against Atletico. But, you know, the proof was in this season's campaign where it proved that one man cannot sort of drag you through every single stage of the competition. Oh, it's a strange one. About Cristiano Ronaldo. Because there's stories coming out about how he's not happy in Italy now and how he might be moving on. I know he said afterwards, after they confirmed the title today, that he will 
1,000% be at Juventus next season. Just confirming that nobody at Juventus seems to be good with numbers. But Vito, has Cristiano Ronaldo's arrival somehow made Juventus worse? I suppose that uh, there has been a bigger dependence on him for goals. And maybe they're not that much better cohesively because, let's face it, Juventus at Allegri haven't been the most fluid side by any stretch of the imagination. What it just shows to me, at least, is that Allegri will still rely on individuals to score the goals, and Ronaldo has pretty much done that. And another thing, too, is I think... Perhaps his presence might not suit certain individuals in the squad. For instance, Paulo Dybala has had a rather poor season by his standards. And last season, especially in the first opening six or eight rounds, he was absolutely phenomenal. I would go that far to say Dybala was sensational. He had something like 10 goals in just six games. But this year, he looks nothing close to emulating that form. Yeah, well, speaking about something we spoke about a couple of weeks ago, Kev, Paolo Dybala is now being linked with a move away by Tuta Sport and I think Corriere della Sport or the other, saying that he might be off to Inter in a, in a swap deal for, you guessed it, Mauro Icardi. See I, see, I just can't see how that makes sense. Now, Vito mentioned Dybala's um, form at the start of the season. That was when Ronaldo was having his own difficulties, when... Allegri started playing him off the left and then for, for whatever reason, maybe the players unhappiness at, at being, if you like out there, he sort of kind of moved into the middle. That has kind of seen a, a, a lack of effectiveness from Dybala wherever they've sort of tried to shoot him or shoehorn him in. And if you think if, you, if you're bringing in somebody else like a Cardi, he, he'd only really play down the middle. And can you see him and Ronaldo playing together? I can't. Uh, we've got a couple of actually, comments. Go, Vito, go. No, I was going to say, that's that I took out. That was actually from last season. Uh, that run of 10 goals in just six games was was not from this season. So that was before Ronaldo. But Dybala seemed to be a more influential part of the team at the start of the season when Ronaldo did oh, yes. on the left-hand side. I can't remember his form, mm. but it, you know, at least Allegri started the season wanting Dybala to be part of that setup. And it only seems to be Ronaldo's position within the starting eleven that's changed that. And, you know, one of the, going back to my Quagliarella point, you know, one of those is a younger man and maybe the team you should, you know. Leave him alone. (laughs) Sorry, I was just saying, I'm old as well. Don't worry. Oh, so now you're old. Okay. Um, I can't keep up with you, Kev. Really, but we, we do have a couple of comments coming in. Um, Praise Boy says, you can never feel too bad when you win the league. It's the bread and butter. It seems Champions League makes and breaks seasons, yet clubs like Manchester City won't win it either. But I'd argue Manchester City won't win it because they're being pushed every single week in a title race, whereas Juventus have had the league wrapped up since August, and they still didn't go that step in Europe. And let's be honest, they didn't sign Cristiano Ronaldo to win Serie A that they signed him to win the Champions League. And so that was then their benchmark for the season to fall short of that. I think I wrote about it after the, the first leg against Atletico Madrid. And I think this season they failed. Yeah, yeah I um, believe that's the case. 
All right, fair enough. And Filippo Cacamo has come in and said, I hear players like Pjanic, Alexandro and Dybala will leave in the summer. Um, Vito, do you think they should? And if they do, who comes in? Uh, look, I think, I personally think Pjanic should stay, but they just need that extra creativity in midfield. Uh, I don't think Aaron Ramsey's that kind of guy, like, say, Andrea Pirlo was, to be playing defence-splitting passes and... Uh, you know, provide that extra vision in midfield. Aaron Ramsey's a guy that uh, uh, he'll probably be like an improvement on, say, what Marquisio was or what um, or what Emre Chan has been doing this season. He'll chip in with goals and so forth, have extra characteristics, but they still need that guy, extra guy to dictate the midfield or actually play between the lines more adequately than, say, what Dybala has done. It is going to be a strange one because you do think they need to strengthen, but yeah, I I don't know. I really can't work it out. Kev, oh, we're going to get in trouble for this, but Juventus won the 35th, 3-5, 35th Scudetto this year, but for some reason, the club's failings with numbers continued and they keep saying 37. Why do they keep being allowed? Why are they still allowed to do this? Uh, well, you know, it pleases the fans. You know, the fans get a little bit of a buzz out of out of the club still referring to it as thirty seven. And I think if I was a player, um, I would still claim that title. But I think the club has to take some responsibility of the fact that they had them stripped. They had them stripped from their honours board based on things that they did. You know, whether the players were aware of that or not, because. I'm kind of under no doubt that the players were going out believing that they had to do what they had to do to win games and that they played those those two seasons and won those trophies. So if you're a player sat at home and you've got a medal somewhere, because I'm not aware that they, they go round and round up the medals that were given out to players. But but for the club, it's, it's just petty. It, it's just a little thing to get your, your supporters, you know, they see the 37 go up and you get a little extra, extra cheer. But everyone else just thinks it's, it's so predictable. And so it's just disrespectful as well. It's almost like they're boasting about the things that they were <laughs> accused of proven of doing. And I just drives me out. I completely agree with the players situation, the players point, by the way, it, they absolutely have, when you know part of this, right? You would feel like you won those titles, as they always say, Sul Campo on the pitch, but it's been proven otherwise. When you say it's disrespectful to the other teams, so you know, there's one team in particular who were certainly inverted commas handed the um the second toy to Inter. And you they have always been very vocal that they believe that Juventus were leaning on, you know, whether any of those um allegations proved prove true but you know so it's again it, it's handbags it's, it's petty it's one-upmanship if we go to the two legs the federation though it's disrespectful to them because they've mm. said you don't own these titles but Juventus keeps saying yes we do why don't they just find them every time they show the number 37 because they don't find anybody for worse things so yeah, but the way it works here is you, you, terrible things get ignored and the not-so-terrible things get heavily fined, so you, you would think. Was it was it 86,000 euros for a couple of players holding up some shirt, a uh, chubby shirt? 
Uh, yeah, it's well, that was a new low for Italian football, as we discussed <laughs> last week, Kev. So, um, speaking of new lows, Lazio will be discussed later on. But are we finished with Juve? I think so, yeah. Um, in Absolutely. Congratulations to the Bianconeri for, for winning the title. I, I suppose they deserve that much at least because they did win it. They have won eight in a row. It is a remarkable achievement. It, it's it's not their fault. They're so much better than everyone else, I guess. And as boring as it can be, it's probably to their credit that it is boring. I am now joined by Dov Schiavone, who was at the Allianz Stadium in Turin to see Juventus finally win the league. Dov, how was it? Hello, Cara Clancy. It is delightful to be back on this podcast. I've not been on for a while, and it was delightful to watch Juventus win the league. Uh, it's been a while coming, but it's here. You had your chance to do it. You actually had two bloody chances, and you screwed them both up, so I had to do it. I didn't have two chances. Yeah, you did, because you had them against Spal oh, and then Napoli. And you yeah. screwed them both, so there you I'm go. very, very happy because it well, meant that I had less work to do. But yeah, well, that's what I was going to say. I was going to say you shouldn't have been happy. You should have been delight- delighted and privileged to see the mighty Bianconeri win Serie A with you being in the stands. Um, yeah, it would have been nice, I suppose. Yeah, exactly. I-, I had trains to catch, though. Yeah, well, well, no. well, yeah, yeah, very good. I'm anyway, just, you were you were at the Allianz Stadium. Oh, was, mate. I'm always at the Allianz Stadium. It was great. It's great fun. Was it? What was so good about it? What were the celebrations like? Was oh. everyone loving it? Oh, they were loving it. They jumped about. They sprayed champagne each other. I think they chucked Allegri in the swimming pool thing. They did. Um, what else did they do? Um, Juan Quadrado was putting shaving cream on everyone's head. Oh yeah, I seen that. Yeah. Actually, quite like that. Yeah, they were were happy. It was, it was, it was a bit weird actually because obviously this is this has been a formality since like the season started really, Um, and it was just a case of when, not if they were going to win it. And it was obviously the kind of obviously the players and stuff were happy, but the the fans yeah they were happy but after going out of the Champions League on Tuesday it kind of put a bit of a dampener on it to be perfectly honest um, the, the like the atmosphere was really weird uh, like it was almost as if it was kind of like the end of season game kind of thing like going into it it didn't seem like this was going to be a this is the game that you could win the title and it was more just like meh it's finished it's done. Let's just get it over and done with so we can all go home and have sun tea. Yeah, well, you said that it was kind of like an end-of-season game. How are they going to approach things between now and the end of the season? Because they don't have anything left to play for. They don't. Uh, well, Big Max said it himself. He's going to do some experimenting. Um, playing, <laughs> he's, he's talking about playing Alexandro as a centre-back and stuff like that, well, in a back three. Um putting Bernardeschi in midfield, trying some of the youngsters as well. So I think that that's what you're going to see in the last five games. You're going to see him mucking about with tactics, with player positions and stuff like that to see how things work. Yeah, it's it's a strange one because even if we're going to talk about today's game, it wasn't always a certainty today. It looked... A while like they were going to be made to wait for another week because mm. Fiorentina bossed them early on and Juve were a mess. 
Yeah, no, they were. Fiorentina should have had about five goals by half time. Keza um, hit the post and it hit the crossbar. Um, there was one chance where I think it was Simeone was running down the right, and you had I think I think it was Keza who was at the back post, and if he, if, if the ball reached him, it was a certain goal. But Borucci got in the way. Um, there were a couple of other ones as well, and it was just especially after Milenkovic scored, it was kind of like. Um, almost as if the same as kind of when Ajax scored in the Champions League. It was like the, the players almost got scared and were like, oh my God, we're going to lose again. Um, but then Alexandro scored and it was fine. But Fiorentina, well, quite honestly, they deserved at least a point from the game. Not that it would have made a difference to the Scudetto, but they did deserve at least a point. So, um, yeah, Montello said he was happy with the performance. I thought they played really well, but Juventus are lethal it's literally as simple as that you give them a couple of chances and they'll score what about what about the main man Cristiano he didn't he didn't get a goal he didn't can't imagine he was too pleased about that no he wasn't he was mourning his head off all game obviously (laughs) after um, the video surfaced where he was basically saying that the uh, the Juventus players shat themselves against Ajax Uh, he wasn't he wasn't in a good mood, particularly in the first half. He was moaning at everybody. Every single time there was a stray pass or somebody didn't pass them when he was in a good position or somebody made the wrong decision, he was gone off his head. Um, but obviously in the second half, uh, he made the the winner with a lovely... kind of It was like an old-school Cristiano Ronaldo surging run. Um, and then obviously he was happy at the end. But he was, more, he was getting a bit annoyed, to be honest, in the first half. There have been talks this week that he's, uh, he's, he's not, not he happy. said he's going to stay. Yeah, but he said this last season at Madrid too. Do you think there's any chance that he could leave? No, honestly, no. Not for, not for like, people at Juventus, like, kind of in and around the club, think he's not going to see out the contract. And kind of that's what I thought as well. I thought you'd get three years out of him and then he'll go somewhere else. Um, the problem is, is where does he go? That's the thing. There aren't many clubs that can a afford to pay a transfer fee because Juventus would make sure they got the majority of a transfer fee back, and who's going to pay his wages? He earns an absolute fortune. There aren't clubs that can afford it. He's not going to go to Barcelona. He's not going to go to Man City, for example. He's not going to go back to Real Madrid. So you're you're talking PSG, and that's about it. But if PSG have got Neymar and Mbappe, if they stay this season, then He's not going to go there either. He'll stay. He'll be there, hundred percent. He's not going to leave this year. Maybe at the end of next season, might, there might be more in that. But Ronaldo's there for at least another year, so well, don't worry well, about these about, rumors that you're reading on terrible uh, websites. There, there is one more rumor that I do want to ask you about concerning his his teammate Paulo Dybala, because he's quite clearly slipping down the packing order there. Yeah, and it looks yeah. like Dybala's getting in his way a little bit. Yeah, he is. But is good, Dybala's young, and Dybala will cost £100 million plus. So if somebody comes in with an offer, then I think you'll be able to think about it. However, I, I was talking about it on, on, on the drive home today, and it's you, 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 they're not going to sell him cut price, essentially, is what I'm getting at. Um, and he's not had, in terms of his numbers, he's not had that bad of a season either. So, if somebody comes in with a big offer, maybe. But Juve don't need to sell him. That's the thing. 
and he's good and he's young and he's the vice captain or one of the vice captains. So Allegri could use kind of the next five games and then this the summer to try and find a way to get him into the like to fit fit or get a system that gets the best out of him and the best out of Ronaldo and whoever else they've got there. So I, I, again, he's he's one. There's a bit more likelihood, however. It's, it depends on numbers, and there, again, I don't think like there are many clubs that will pay a hundred plus million for Dybala, for example. Yeah, well, this is now eight in a row for Juventus, thirty-five altogether. Way, How much longer is this going to go on for? One is not as a wonderful way. Um, wonderful weights and full. Yeah, think. actually, we can put this on record now. Next year, it's going to be. Perfect within the nine as a P, right? So we'll come back. And to this. we we also said they should have done eternal with an eight. Oh, eternal with, with an eight would have been good, or checkmate would have been good because they just basically anything that worked. <laughs> it wasn't very good because eight and O are not interchangeable. The explanation I got from their social media team was it fit with the theater theme, which is fair enough. But I just said in English it doesn't work. Yeah, the the word wonderful fit, but nothing else about it did. Um, yeah, but anyway, we so will they achieve perfect? Will they achieve? They'll achieve, they'll achieve perfect ten, Conor Clancy. Yeah. No, yeah, yeah. But who else? Nobody's gonna be this team. There's no. They're just. They're gonna win Serie A for the foreseeable future. What's the foreseeable future? Next three years. Three, four years, basically, at least. Until and, until Milan and Inter and Roma and Napoli get their houses in order get their own stadia, start earning money similar to Juve, until that time comes, Juventus are going to win it every, every year. And to be honest, they'll probably win it at a canter like they've done this season as well. Yeah, it's a positive picture for them. The Serie A is now like the SPL. <laughs> it's it it's, probably worse. It's, it's the SPL. People will pretend that it's competitive, and it's competitive from third place downwards. But Napoli are better than all the other teams, apart from Juve, by a, 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 quite a margin. Juventus are better than Napoli by a large margin and better than the rest by a long margin. And then you've got all the crap at the bottom that are just absolutely horrendous. <laughs> so there, there, there's, there's the, the, like the only, the, I think we talked about it before we started recording. We're talking about the Champions League race. Champions League race this season's amazing. But... <laughs> That should be the title race, yeah. Not the Champions League race. That should be. There should be four or five teams who can all win the league, or at least change it about every season. But Juventus are the best. Juventus yeah. are the best, and by a distance. And, yeah, and it's not by their fault they're the best. Then, then you shouldn't deride them for the best. Because I know you get some uh, people mourning at you because you you always mourn about Juve, but they're the best. Yeah, by right, far. And it's, it's not their fault they're so good. Yeah. But then it's not our fault that we can't find new things to say about them because they do the same thing all the time. Yeah, well, they do. They do the same thing. Like, I mean, if you want to get into, like, to, when you're talking about, even today, like, doing a post-match video, it's like, what do you say about them? They're just, they're, um, they're amazing. Yeah. Like, they've got the most points that any team's had after 33 games, they've won the most games that any team's ever won after 33 games, the equal Dinter's record of winning the league with five games to spare. Um, they're not going to break 100 points, there's only 99, they, they could only get to 99. Um, 
so like for for them they are like this is going to sound a bit bad, but they're bigger than Serie A now. They've outgrown Serie A. Well, Cristiano Ronaldo was bigger than them, and he's taken them up to his level, which is a strange domestically, thing. not not in Europe though. No, domestically, but they don't need Ronaldo to win Serie A. Like they're they're things the Champions League. Like how many? Like what are they on now? Thirty five. So they won thirty five titles. Like how many more do you need how to many? win? Yeah, yeah, people are more about it, but <laughs> that's the official number. UVA say 37, officially it's 35. Um, so they've won, what, 20, more or less 20 more leagues than their next competitor, which is, I think it's Milan or Inter on 18, or maybe both. I think so, so. 20 more leagues than the next best. Uh. They don't need, like, Serie A's like, it's kind of... What's the word? Um, it's, it's a formality it's, for them. It's like, it's, who cares? Yeah. It's like they're like, oh, who cares? We've won all these leagues. We don't need any more. We need the This Champions is it. League. So how does this season get remembered? Because they, they've won the double for the last four years, and this season they've not even done that. So they've, they've fallen short of expectations. Well, yeah. But, well, yeah, I suppose. But... Uh, it's just uh, be a, a, a lesson for next year where they've got deficiencies like uh, they've got the problem to buy a central defender a midfielder and depending on who leaves maybe another um, winger like Chiesa pretty much yeah there's an amazing central defender playing down here mate that they should sign and he'd sort out all of their problems <sighs> Dario Dainelli's retired mate what are you talking about <laughs> The next best thing, big Bruno. Get him in. No, I don't need him. They were linked with him in January. Yeah. He would solve every single one of their problems. They wouldn't. And they'd maybe, the maybe their defenders taking free kick problems. That'd be it. Him and Cristiano won the European Championship together. They could win the, the club European Championship together. Be amazing. Mm. Mm. And on that note, Dove, thank yeah. you. Very good. Very good, everybody. Um, don't know what to say Conor Clancy don't, I have no idea what to say to you anymore plenty more of that to come throughout this podcast don't you worry I'm sure the other guys will, uh, will, will be having tons of fun with you hashtag FAF at the games smash that absolutely Dov thank you I'll speak to you soon maybe bye AC Milan they were held at Parma today I was at the Tardini <laughs> And Vito, they had all of the ball, but did nothing with it. For a game that had two goals, uh, I've seen uh, Neil Neil Jules that were probably a bit more exciting in terms of the quality of the play, and that pretty much says a lot about the game in general. Milan in particular, I thought, were rather sloppy in possession and very predictable. To be honest, in the first half at least, I thought Padma created far better chances, and they were defending deep and hitting on the break, but whenever they moved forward, they looked a bit more sharper. Just And in the second half, they had more of the ball, but uh, really just took one moment of uh, quality, and that's rare quality from Suzu to set up Castillejo because Suzu still is still not doing enough for my liking or most other people's liking. So, yeah, I just think collectively they're not doing enough to add to that scoreline, and 
I think a one-one draw is a fair result. Absolutely. If Parma had lost this, it would have been quite criminal. Despite, I think they only had three shots on target, but they definitely deserved the point. Kev Vito touched on it. Suzo, he he had a moment of quality, oddly with his right foot as well. And other than that, he did nothing in the game himself and Chalanoglu. And I, I still don't know why the two of them play every week. Well. I think because we've got a transfer, uh, we've got a transfer window that clubs have got to um, <laughs> got to adhere to. Um, you know, I, I wrote in my notes actually. I was quite surprised it was with his right foot. I was kind of half expecting him to cut back in on his left, but uh, yeah, it was um, a decent ball in and a, sort of a great header from Castelao. Yeah, it was it was a really really good header. Just moments after coming on as well. I don't quite know how he managed to divert it on target from where he was, especially to fly across Luigi Giuseppe like that, but it was really, really good. Um, speaking of Castillejo, Kev, however you say his name, he's got a little bit about him. I know he's inconsistent like the rest of them, but surely he's deserving of a chance to play over one of these two. Well, I think you hit the nail on the head there. He's inconsistent like the rest of them. I've been banging on for weeks about Milan need to look at players sort of what if, if you like one level up from those if they if they're going to be in the Champions League next year, but but that said, the, the way that Chanloglu and Suso have played in recent weeks, I think if if, if Milan were in a, a stronger situation going into the Champions League um, qualifying places then you could maybe argue for him to, to go ahead then. But it looks as though Gattuso's just sticking with sticking with what, has, what has worked, whether it's grinding out the odd point here in Palmer or, or grinding out 1-0 wins over over lesser opposition when they've done that in the last few weeks. But is, is drawing in Palmer going to be enough to do it? Because Roma are now just a point behind them. Atalanta, three points behind them. Um, although Atalanta do have to play Napoli on Monday night, which is an outrage that we'll get into a little bit later on. But is it going to be enough? Because Torino are also floating about there. It's a risky strategy to think that they're just going to like stutter over the line like that. Vito, someone who was quite notable in his absence today was Lucas Paquata because he, he gives Milan something that nobody else in that team does. He has added an extra dimension to that team since arriving in January. And I do think that if he if he's fit enough to play, he, he's someone that can really make a difference in that Milan team. I think we've gone on about Suzu and Chalconoglu far too often, but they're just far too predictable for guys that are meant to be the creative outlets of that uh, Rossoneri team. And based on what I saw yesterday, um, you know, Christoph Piontek has been able to score with limited supply, but the supply was probably that limited yesterday or that final ball was missing. He rarely got a sniff at goal. So, you know, there are some serious issues that have to be addressed offensively. And uh, with five games left, Gattuso's got to change something. Even if he acknowledges the changes, he doesn't make... Enough of the right changes, Gattuso. Well, that's it. The changes he made today were quite curious because I every time I've seen Piontek this season, I've kind of made the point of just watching his movement for a little bit. But then about 15 minutes in today, it was obvious there was no point in doing it because whatever he did, the ball wasn't going anywhere near him. 
And I'm not sure if he had the ball in the box at all. And normally that's a statistic that you would use to beat a striker with, but it completely wasn't his fault because there was just absolutely no service. And then in the second half, Gattuso brought on Patrick Cutrone to play up top with with Piontek. And I don't really know why, because then there was just there were just two players in space that wasn't being touched by Milan. It seemed like a kind of a waste of a move, really. But um, Kev, I'll come to you for the goalkeeper chat, as always. I don't know why, but Gianluigi Donnarumma, he wasn't very good today. He, he was quite slow, ponderous. He's just back in the team um, after being given the gloves back by Pepe Reina. And he nearly cost them a penalty in the first half, although he did get the ball. And then he nearly cost them a goal in the second half when he just strolled off his line and allowed Siligardi to take a pass them. And fortunately for him, Siligardi hit the post. And Donnarumma, what's going on? I don't know. I was, I was a little surprised, actually, um, to sort of see him start. I know, obviously, he's, he's, their num- he's their number one, but they're one of the few teams that's got, if you like it, not necessarily just adequate backup. But they've, got, they've got a goalkeeper there in Pepe Reina that can do just as good as job as Donnarumma in my, in my view. And with him out of the spotlight, with a crucial end of the season coming up and Rayner playing as well as he had in the last couple of games, I, I don't necessarily think Atuso should have put him straight back into the, the starting lineup. It, in a way, it could have been, given the quality of their reserve goalkeeper, the opportunity to give him a little bit of a, a break, you know, not just necessarily physically, but mentally from the first team. And then, you know, with... Let's face it, 75% chance of Champions League football at the summer to recuperate and and be ready for bigger challenges next season. Certainly something they could have considered. We've got another question from Filippo. Vito, I'll throw it to you. If Milan make the Champions League, will Gattuso be the coach? I have a few doubts about that. There's been speculation that he might even resign regardless of what happens. And then you've got other stories floating around, you know, just the usual suspects being linked with the job. So, yeah, I do question whether he'd be there next season because he's had enough or if the board are that demanding and they really want to push for a change, push for a coach that's really going to give them that extra boosting quality or really give them better ideas, whether it be a tactical thing or just in terms of shaping the philosophy of the club, at least on the pitch. Yeah, well, Antonio Conte's name is obviously still being thrown around. I just can't wait for him to get a job so that we can stop talking about what job he's going to take. Um, same with Sarri. I just want to know if he's going to be at Chelsea next season or not so we can stop speculating about that because it's mind-numbingly boring at times. But there you go. Um, to the other side of this game then guys big Bruno did it again did you see him Kev I did and we said it before it's not unlike him he's amazing he can do everything like defending oh is is defending he's the reason that Milan couldn't do anything because they just faced a Portuguese wall who does the work of seven defenders and when he has the ball he can spray it as well he's really Really, really good. And he's just a beast. He's a monster. He's terrifying, but a beautiful, beautiful man. And when he was taking that free kick, 
there was absolutely no doubt what was about to happen. He just has this way of standing over them, and everyone in the stadium seems to think, this is a goal, and sure enough... It wasn't quite as good as Kievo won earlier in the season in December, also at the Tardini, but that's his third goal of the season from something like 14 shots, which is quite an impressive little ratio. They should stick him up top. If uh, Inter can try Andrea Ranocchi as a striker, <laughs> why not? When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is PlushCare. PlushCare is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Oh, big Bruno. Big Bruno could do a job anywhere. He could he could take on some teams in Serie A alone and probably get a result. I'm looking at you, Kievo, Frosinone, and Empoli. And to be fair, probably Atalanta on the day. But yeah, Bruno Alves, phenomenal. And he's, he's probably been a be big playing. part of them staying up. I said this actually in my post-match video, that if he wasn't there, they'd probably be getting relegated. Everyone talks about Gervinho, but Gervinho was great when everyone was still surprised by him until about October. But now people have kind of realized if you just show him certain space, he runs into that space and you can kind of guide him down blind alleys and stuff. But he's, he's someone else I want to talk about because he frustrated me today. And I'm not a part of a fan by any means, but watching him play and blatantly ignore passes when his teammates are better placed than him is just maddening. And he was at it again. So I just don't. You could see his teammates getting frustrated with him as well. He can really understand why. And Kev, what do you make of Jovino? Because he was he was fantastic when he first got to Parma. The goals have kind of dried up. His impact has dried up a little bit. And could you see him being there next year? Uh, possibly, at least for the first half for the season. I don't think we're seeing anything that we didn't see when he was at Roma or even maybe at Arsenal and Lille. He's kind of a, he sort of plays the game within himself. 
and I don't know how well he takes direction from his coaches, but because of his talent, particularly if you're in a side that is has got limitations attacking in attacking areas, you've kind of got to let him go and do his own thing, and and maybe some of his teammates accept their frustrations with him because they know what he can do to keep them in this league, particularly, you know, coming up for the first time this year. Yeah. I mean, he's definitely got a role, but I just think there comes a point where if a player is so blatantly just playing for himself, that I don't know, you kind of need to look at things because he doesn't seem like he takes any instructions whatsoever. He just seems to go out there and do his own thing every single week. But there were times where it genuinely looked like, Travolo and Siligardi were reluctant to pass the ball to him because they knew he was just going to try and run into space. But, yeah, I don't know. Jovino, frustrating, can be effective, not all that talented, but I don't know. He probably has a role at Parma. Anyway, that'll do for that game. Let's talk about the game that just finished, I guess, into Roma. Because we've criticised Roma, we've criticised Claudio Ranieri, but to his credit, Vito, he's kind of made them a little bit more organised. That's the type of coach Ranieri is. Usually his teams are well organised and they do work hard. So they're pretty much the hallmarks of his teams. I think Roma needed a bit of stability and uh, Ranieri being a former coach and even coming through the youth team as a player, he knows the club knows how the fans are and also the club atmosphere. So I think even if it's just to finish off the season, I think he's doing an, an adequate job, let's say. And mathematically, they still have some hope of getting into the Champions League. But that's the word, mathematically. They can still find a way to make a mess of things. Yeah, well, they are only a point off and everyone there seems capable of making a mess of things. Kev, is this a game... One all that both teams will be happy with. Uh, well, yeah, probably into sort of aren't falling falling away from anybody else. I, I, I kind of switched over at half time, being on being on English time, if you like, thinking the game was over, and I, I didn't kind of. I looked at the league table and I saw that Roma had moved up into fourth, and I thought. Well, they're really still in touch in distance of fourth. And then I thought, well, yeah, I didn't really think Di Francesco should have been removed anyway. And then when you kind of go, oh, there's a second half, they concede a goal, they're down back into fifth. And you think, right, that's exactly the reason why I don't think Roma are going to finish fourth this year. Because that's, uh, that you know, whichever coach you've got there, that's what they just keep on doing. You you know the the inconsistencies, the poor goals that they've they've dropped all over the show. I just think that 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 top four we've got now is is there for the rest of the season. Maybe it it was quite a Roma esque goal to concede as well, right? A ball to the back post, no one marking Ivan Perisic, and he's got an easy goal. Florenzi was back in the team, and you could probably hold him accountable for the goal they've conceded. With every mistake he makes, he just looks like less and less of a right back, which we've kind of known for a long time that he isn't. But he's he was always just standing in there. And now it just seems to be his position, Vito. And I, I can't really work out why. When they switched him to right back, and it was uh, Rudy Garcia from memory that made that switch, it seemed to work for a bit. But I suppose... 
other coaches have sort of taken advantage of that and thought, let's keep him there. I don't think it's a good move in the long term and hopefully whoever coaches him next season realises that Florenzi has to play as a right midfielder or even as a right winger, especially if they put Cengiz under for sale. So he's the kind of guy that can actually offer energy on the wings and he can chip in with the odd goal. But defending is not his main strength and just the whole back line in general needs, needs restructuring anyway. So they might as well look for a half-decent right back, especially if Rick Karsdorp can't stay fit for a season because he has his own issues with fitness. Cav, do you know what they should do? Do you know who they should bring in to sort yeah. out their defensive problems? Bruno Alves? Obviously. Big Bruno Alves, mate. Get him in. He sort out any defense. Play him in goal. Better than Marante. Better than your friend, Robin Olsen, of course. Speaking of Marante, actually. <laughs> you he, probably play Bruno Alves in goal. Save. <laughs> he made an excellent save in the first half. That he then nearly ruined by fumbling and shot two minutes later. But come on, give him some credit. Uh, well, I feel like any any time any time I see a goalkeeper in goal that isn't Robert Olsen, then um, I'm I'm more than happy to praise them. To be perfectly honest, it's the problem with the problem with. I'm going to sound a little bit negative here, but the problem with goalkeepers being forced into making these great saves is like like you just alluded to is that there's something wrong in front of them, and maybe Roma do need someone like Bruno Alves. At the very, very top of the show, we highlighted Juventus's defensive frailties and the lack of Chiellini. Sometimes, Do you know who Juventus needs? And Bruno Alves, yeah. Absolutely. It is that. That is, well, it's not, I was going to say it's that Alder Statesman that can, that can actually organise a defence. It's not. I think it's talent. It's not, it's not age. It's not experience. Sometimes it's down to talent. There's, there's a plenty of, of younger centre-halves across Europe that are able to do this. Um, and I think it's a, it's quite a quite a difficult skill. Absolutely, it's the way experience obviously comes into it for a centre back, right? But when you watch, I'm sorry, we're talking about him. When you watch Bruno Alves play, when there's a ball in the air and you see the way he's looking at it and the way he attacks it, you have no doubt in your mind that he's going to win the header every single time. I've compared him to a dog jumping for food on the podcast before, but that's exactly what it is. He's, he's like an animal when he just sees something there, he, he goes for it and he wins it. And Roma don't have that. No, they have two tree trunks usually. <laughs> Never want to hold back, Vita. Fantastic. Um, but they, they just blatantly have problems. And this, this fixture is actually one with the fixture with the most goals in Serie A ever. 400... 99 of them, which is quite impressive. I was hoping it would get to 500. Sadly, didn't quite make it. 498 but... of them conceded by Robin Olsen. <laughs> 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 um, he's not quite that bad. Oh, Jeff, okay. Come on, he didn't even play today. Um, so 490, whatever. Um, okay, what else? El Shirawi scores. Surprise, surprise. He cut in onto his right foot and curled one into the far corner. Any shocks there? No. Move on. No, not at all. Not okay, Kev, 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 you were at the Stadio Renato Dallara today. You saw Bologna pump Sampdoria 3 0. They're safe. But yeah, yeah, I think they are safe. It was, it was my first trip to the Dallara. 
And um, ah, you know, I, let's talk about the stadium then before we go to the football. Yeah, it's beautiful. I, I thoroughly it? enjoyed it. It was, it was it was one of those places where where particularly if you're if you're if you're fighting relegation, and let's say you're you're a win or two away from saving yourselves from relegation, it was a it was a beautifully sunny day down here in Bologna. Um, so the crowd were out. And it was the the ideal environment for, for a game of that sort of magnitude. But then also, as I sort of sat there watching the game, I thought to myself, this place must be, because it's obviously a very open stadium, it must also be thoroughly miserable with the rain pouring down on you, thinking about the form that they had at the start of the season and how counterproductive that can be for the team. But yeah, wonderful stadium. Love the old... Love the old arch and the tower that's still there. Um, yeah, the, the the fans were out again, as I said earlier, in their drives, and it was brilliant. Oh, the Bologna fans are amazing. Which, you were sitting in the same end as the Sampdoria fans, right? Yes, I was just, I was in the cheap seat, so, which was nice because it meant it was full. Um, because I think some of the more expensive seats were a little sparsely populated. Um, but... Yeah, we were we were near the Sampdoria fans, and they were very vocal all the way through the game. But then it was, you know, because I was telling um, who I was with how good the game was going to be because Sampdoria is also fighting for European places. And actually, I was quite disappointed with Samp first half. I thought they weren't they weren't negative, but they were certainly very passive in their their approach. They 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 didn't really do much in the way of attacking, and it was all Bologna. But you can obviously give Bologna a little bit of credit that they went they went looking for a win. Oh, we will, we'll start with Bologna because Sinisa Mihailovic has come in there and he has he has turned things around quite a lot. But I'm sceptical to give him too much credit because I've seen his previous work and it makes me just think that Pippo and Zaghi was, was just that bad that Vito, anyone who came in would have gotten them out of trouble. Inzaghi was terrible and uh, I think we've made that clear previously. Uh, but uh, I do think Mahalovic has done a pretty good job so far. And firstly, I think uh, the performances under him have been better than not only under Inzaghi, but they've probably been more exciting than some of the stuff we were watching under Roberto Donadoni. So uh, the big test will be next season, you know, because more than likely Bologna should be staying up and then Bologna will have a proper preseason under Mihalovic. He'll probably get some more of his ideas across and then also depends what they do in the transfer market. But uh, so far, I think, uh, you know, he's done a good job and as bad as people was, I think uh, Sinisa deserves some praise for rejuvenating the team and they're playing more offensively than what they did under the previous two coaches. And I think this team looks probably more offensive than most of the other sides he's coached previously, to be honest. Yeah, it's a fair point. He does have a bit of talent in that squad to to do something in terms of setting up a team to attack. But someone who was really impressed this season is Eric Ulgar. He's the captain. He scored again today. And I think that might be his fourth or fifth goal since Mihailovic came in. And he's really impressing for them. Yeah, he did really well today. He was driving the uh, the team on. His free kick, his free kick was a wonderful effort from a really really stupid Tonelli foul down in the corner. There was you know Palacio was going was going nowhere, 
Palacio was doing his best uh, Santander um, impersonation at times today. Awful second touch. <laughs> but um, well, Santander doesn't get a second touch because his first is so bad generally, but continue. But yeah, no, Pulga looks like a, a talent. Hopefully they'll keep him there next year. Yeah, you would hope so. I guess he is captain, so probably more likely to keep him given that situation. But you mentioned Lorenzo Tonelli. He's not the most consistent of defenders you've got there, Vito. So I reckon you could probably do with getting a big, strong, consistent centre-back in. Any any in mind? Hmm. Look, as much as you love Bruno Alves, um, I think I would personally try to see if there's another one back in his homeland because Portugal, they got quite a few gems. They did beat Italy in the under-19s final, so I'm sure there's another clone like him out there that we might be able to sneak in cheap and then Ferrero can sell him for 50 million euros or something. That's just yeah. how the club works. Vito's refusing to be drawn in, Connor. <laughs> That's just, Vito, there's no one on earth like Bruno Alves. There never will be. He's 37 and he'll still be this good when he's 73. So you could sign him this year, Salomon 10 for 50 million and you'd still get some good business out of that. So. Bruno Alves is the answer for every team's questions, even if those <laughs> if those questions aren't defensive ones. But Vito, what on earth happened to your boys today? As Kevin touched upon earlier, we just were rather simplistic and slug, maybe not sluggish, but it just very predictable and slow with our passing. We looked rather lethargic in our approach and. We just really couldn't play that final ball going forward. I thought defensively, Bologna did very well. They were reasonably compact, but they also exposed our frailties in defence. And look, our defence looked open, but Bologna's uh, attacking threats, I think they were able to expose that uh, defensive frailty. And I don't think it was a case of just us playing bad. I think they made us look bad and they certainly made the most of it the real downside is that although Bologna probably should have won by more than 3-0 I think Emil Aldero had a terrible game especially in that second half because he made some good saves in the first and those frailties you know I think in some games he's probably just as bad as Robin Olsen yeah he was he was poor today really really was um, particularly, and I don't know where to go with this because he was quite bad on Orsolini's goal. So I don't know whether we should criticize Aldero or give Orsolini some credit for what was a really technically proficient strike. Um, Kev, I'll let you decide. No, it's um, <clears throat> although it was it was it was technically good to keep the ball down, get on target from the the height that it dropped. Um, you know, it was the other end of the stadium for me, but. Ardero has got to be doing better with that. I, I'm not even sure if he needs to dive. He could have taken a step to his right and just claimed it within his arms. And yeah, it was it was horrific. The, the, the crowd obviously already being tuned up, and I think that was probably the 87th, 88th minute. It, it just sort of sent them into raptures, almost in that party atmosphere, because it was it was comical, and you know, sample really really poor on the day. All right, well, that'll do. Empoli 2, Spal 4. Spal, 
we thought were safe after their win against Juventus last week. They've gone and got another win. And this one's probably more important for them because it was against the team occupying the final relegation spot. And Vito, it's bad news for Empoli. Oh, it is very bad news because uh, after having a great game last week against Atalanta, almost specifically uh, Dragovski in goal, uh, they've gone on and conceded four against their relegation rival. And probably until recent weeks, they weren't a very prolific squad spell. Now they're chipping in with the goals. Antonucci scored a great goal to score, to score the fourth and even the third one, but Patania was pretty good too. So, yeah, they're scoring when it really matters most. And uh, an interesting stat that I saw is that Andrea Patania, he scored 14 goals this season, and that's the most for any spell player in Serie A history. So he's already got a record. And, yeah, big improvement on his... Uh, Atalanta form, which is good for him personally. Yeah, it's really good. I'm very, very happy for him because I, I really like him as a player. I've always said the only thing he was missing was being able to score, and he seems to have found that at Spile. So long may it continue for him. And like you said, his second goal was a very, very well taken strike. But Spile have now just lost one of their last five, winning each of the other four, which is some turnaround given where they were. So if Spal had lost each of those last games, they'd still be in the relegation zone, obviously, but Empoli are now four points adrift through Udinese, and it looks like it's going to be the Tuscans who get relegated, but oh well. Kev, Genoa nil, Torino won. Torino are still there when it comes to fighting for Euro, and they they could sneak in. Yeah, this is a bit a bit like when I said I looked at the table and thought, well, how Roma leapt to where they are. You know, Torino are sixth. If the Coppa Italia, Coppa Italia goes, if you like, their way, that they that opened up another place for the um, for the league positions. They're really just fighting it out with 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 Atalanta, and maybe you know you got Lazio that are, just seem to be shooting themselves in the foot. Like they have kind of crept up and. For once, it's not fully been due to the goals of Andrea Belletti. Mm, yeah, it's basically because Matari has them generally well set up. But Vito, you must have taken some happiness in seeing an ex-Genoa player, Christian Ansaldi, defeat the Griffone. <laughs> yeah, it's one of those pieces of, you could say irony, but yeah, just a coincidence, you know. He's got the uh, Genoa history in him, but uh, no, he's done the goods for Granata, and I'd probably say he's been one of the best players this season on Saldi. He can play as a wing-back, can play in central midfield, so it doesn't matter where Mazzari plays him, he's still able to do a job for this uh, Granata side. He's been so much better in midfield, though. Yeah, I'd say so, too. Mm. I agree. Just looking at this now, um, Cagliari beat Frozenone 1-0. That's the that's Frozenone gone, 10 points adrift. Not mathematically, but let's be honest, they're not coming back from that. And Udinese and Sassuolo in one of the most pointless games of the season. Drew one each in Udinese. Let's go to Rome, because there was a funny result here to finish on. Lazio hosting already relegated Chievo, one of the worst teams in Serie A history. A formality, no... Um, Sergei Milinkovic-Savic was an idiot in the first half, got himself sent off 
for absolutely no reason. And Lazio lost 2-1 to Kievo. Kev, how? Well, partly because Milinkovic Savic is an idiot. <laughs> um, the, way that, the way that he kicked him, I kind of thought the opposition player was going to turn around and laugh at it, you know, because it was a, it was like a school it was like a school ground boot up the backside that you know you kind of give to your friend when they, you know, because it was it was a nothing kind of challenge from the um, from the opposing player, but Lazio once again looked flat. You know they don't necessarily only look flat against the big sides as they've done this year, and. It's one of those results when somebody's already relegated. Yeah, it's 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 almost become a bit of a cliche in football. You get relegated one week, and the next week you'll take points off of whoever that is. You're gonna, you know, you're gonna play. It's the pressures off. But let, I, I don't know if I can fully, fully go behind that sort of theory because you know the pressure's been off Kievo since about Christmas when it looked like they were relegated. <laughs> yeah, no, I I thought it too, and then I had the very same kind of steps back where I thought no Kiev have had no pressure since basically the start of the season when they got given the points deduction but they did get the win um there was something else I wanted to ask you about this game but I've completely forgotten it which is which is useful oh no sorry it wasn't really about this game it was about Lazio and we're going back to a Cherby gate guys sadly because Lazio's fans in midweek they Surprise, surprise. Sang racist things about Bakayoko. Um, are you surprised, Vito? Not surprised at all because the Lazio Ultras, unfortunately, have that uh, negative reputation, you know, having right-wing political views and the amongst the most uh, racist hooligans uh, uh, or, you know, diehard supporters in Italian football. So... Um, nobody should be surprised with that. And unfortunately, because it's Italy, uh, very few people should be surprised that they weren't punished for those chants. Yeah. Um, fills you with joy, doesn't it, Kev? Is there any... Because um, this, this was Tuesday, Wednesday against Dudenese? Yeah, it was the... Wednesday the European time. Game. So is it... Um, is it absolutely case-closed? I haven't sort of seen if the if the, if the uh, Italian Federation have said that they're going to sanction Lazio at all for this, or if they just completely ignored this the situation. It seems like they're ignoring it. Well, then that is that's that even sadder, isn't it? Than than you know, say they got a mediocre fine that was lower than what Milan got fined for the Acerbi for a Cherby Gate. Um, having actually no making no reference to this whatsoever is is extremely sad once again. It's horrible, especially now because you see videos show up on social media. So there's so much evidence for it. You you can see people like there's a video doing the rounds from inside the curva, and you can see people's faces so so clearly because that this person is amongst the people singing it, and nothing's going to happen. Um, but yes. Lazio get hit with jokes of punishments every season for racism and it doesn't stop it no just... if you if you liken this to the Chelsea so I'm sorry the there's a Chelsea Mo Salah uh, chance I, I found it I was very impressed actually with Chelsea's stance on this and whether this can ever actually happen in Italy I'm kind of not sure but those fans never even made it into the stadium 
because of because of the um, the knowledge around the fans that go to the games. You know, if you like the usual suspects, as you probably call them, they were stopped at the gate before going into that match in Prague, and then they got hit with bans. And I don't think enough publicity was made made about that in English football. But that's the talk, that's the sort of zero zero tolerance that you you need to sort of stamp these sort of things out. Yeah, but if you look at what's happening at the moment with the the social media thing, where players were boycotting social media in an attempt to try and get Facebook, Instagram, Twitter to to stamp down on racist comments on their posts, and what happened was more people were racist on the posts about standing up against racism. Those stories in England became stories. People cared. Here, there's people showing videos of racist people shouting and nothing's done because nobody cares enough. But you've got, if you look at Lazio's ownership structure, if you remember the the absolutely disgusting things they did about the Roma fans and, and Frank, was it last season they did that? And then Lotito went and presented something as a peace offering and then got caught saying something that he shouldn't have been saying. And it's just, it's unbelievable. So how are Lazio fans supposed to behave themselves when the owner of their club can't even do it? It's just, there just seems to be too many idiots everywhere here. And it's not going to stop because people don't care enough to stop it, which is always the conclusion we come to when we speak about racism in Italian football and it's really really uplifting but there you go um Kev any positive notes to end on uh Bologna's lovely <laughs> I fell in love Classic. with the city yeah it's a good place it's a good place um it really really is did you eat any nice food Oh well, I've just had a lovely pizza. Uh, I had some, I had some ragu alla bolognese um, on what was that Friday afternoon? Uh, yeah, so it's, uh, it's been a delight. You'll have to get yourself up here tomorrow. Get some capoletti and brodo into you. Get some tortellini with spinach and ricotta. Oh, come to Parma and you'll eat well. So. I'll see you tomorrow, actually. So yeah, I'll be there tomorrow. I'll give you a list of foods that you need to eat while you're here, and you won't go. Although tomorrow's Easter Sunday, will anywhere be open? I don't know. Actually, that's that's what um, being uh, older and miserable. I, I often moan about the, uh, the the stagnated kickoffs that have got worse and worse over the last few years. It's not until you come to Italy for Easter to catch one game and realise that it stops you catching multiple games because there's nothing really other than what we've had today that you actually um, realise that you now love the sort of stagnated because it's really, really difficult. I think I watched I watched the highlights of Empoli Spell in the Bologna club store uh, after the game and then I've struggled to get any other sort of highlights until rushing back to the room. So maybe all these stagnated um, football kickoffs over a weekend aren't as bad as I previously thought they were. It definitely helps to see more of it, but it's also it also can be really frustrating when you go to Verona for a six o'clock game and can't get home afterwards. So you have to stay in Milan for the night. Um, that's not ideal, but yeah, there's pros and cons. 
pros and cons. Vito, have you any positive news to end the week's podcast on? No, we just uh, talked about it when uh, Torino met Genoa. That's probably about it. <laughs> oh, actually, mate, doesn't affect me personally, but uh, on the Juve theme, uh, Juve Stabia managed to wrap up the title win uh, Serie C, Gerones C, so they're going up to Serie B again, so it's a Juve theme, I guess. <laughs> yeah, Juve and, and then nothing more by name, but we should, should say. <laughs> but Atalanta playing Napoli on what's Pasquetta over here, which is Little Easter, which I love, but I'm annoyed about this. Because Atalanta play Fiorentina in the Coppa Italia semi-final second leg on Thursday. And they've been made play on the Monday night, despite Fiorentina playing on Saturday, which I just think is crazy. I don't understand it. I'm not happy about it. And if Atalanta lose, expect me to moan a whole lot more about that next week. Didn't that happen before with the Europa League? I just think bitter. I've got a brief memory of that happening to either Atalanta or... Lazio playing a Monday, Thursday with the Europa League, but um, probably Atalanta because at the start of the season they played on Monday nearly every week when they were in the European yeah. qualifiers that they then lost on penalties to Copenhagen. I think if you get your two day breaks between the two, what are you moaning about? Well, Fiorentina get a five day break, and they got to rest Chiesa for most of it. I'm not happy. I'm not happy, but anyway, that'll do. That'll do. Um, happy Easter to everyone, if you care. I don't really, but anyway, I'm in Italy, so I suppose I have to. Kev, happy Easter. Happy Easter, Connor. Vito, buona Pasqua. Thank you. Grazie. Um, thanks, everybody, for listening, for commenting, for for reading the website, head over to ForzItalianFootball.com for all of your Serie A coverage. We've got a lot of Juventus stuff going up this week. One of those was written by Kev. Kev, what did you write about specifically? That this is the worst Juventus side in recent memory. I think you said it's the worst Juventus side since they returned to Serie A. It was. Bear in mind, they finished seventh twice. But anyway, we'll let the readers go over and slaughter <laughs> you for that. Um, yeah do head over to the site because we've got a lot of stuff going up Vito has something that will be going up tomorrow as well and there will be plenty more to come over the next week so until the next round of Serie A there is nothing for me to say other than ciao for now
Welcome along to the latest Forza Italian Football Podcast. Oh, Kev, I've done yeah. it again. Um, let, let's, let's pause and reset. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50% to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. 